Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Brent. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. I don't like this. I just want someone to take me away. <laughs> Cue the theme song. Who must have thought it was white boy day? Alabama, where's our coke and uh, where's Clarence? When's he coming back? I'm the best goddamn fucking ever ever had in my entire life. I've never had it. I'm just good. You, you're part eggplant. You see that? That's smart, doesn't it? Slam the nose. Fucks you all up. Get that pain shooting through your brain, your eyes fill up with water. That ain't any kind of fun. But what I have to offer you, that's as good as it's gonna get. It won't ever get that good again. All right. Uh, In 1993, True Romance hit the screen. Um, Originally written by, uh, well, by a pair of people, but uh, Quentin Tarantino was one of them. Sold the script for $50,000, picked up, uh, made by Tony Scott, and has, um, reflecting back on it, one of the biggest and bestest ensemble casts in a movie uh, in recent memory. And I don't think all these people were big at the time, but pretty much... Everybody in this movie is a recognizable face. It was just Quentin who wrote this too. And most of the script was word for word. Well, they I didn't do any rewriting. What yeah. I read said um, that another guy had like 50 pages written and that he brought it to Quentin who worked at the movie store that he worked at and asked him to see if he could finish it. And what Quentin came back with was like 500 handwritten pages and that that script had to be pulled apart into two things. One was true romance and the other was natural born killers. It was all kind of a big mishmash. Oh, oh, that's interesting because I, when watching this, I was like, yeah, this has that kind of natural born killers feel to it. Like it's he, almost like tapered down. Yeah. Uh, he's solely credited for the screenplay and I've read his script online. So that's weird. And I've also well, read Well, it must natural have been born pulled born apart killers. and then like re-scripted for each of them. Because natural born killers is also incredibly different and Oliver Stone changed a ton of that. But I've read his version of it, which is far better than Stone's. Yeah. So, like, there's two separate scripts. I don't know how all that yeah, works. I'm not sure you heard mis- that. But I think it was sure. a big mission. I thought it was but... Tarantino. Yeah, because yeah. Tarantino even talks about how... So, this movie is very close to word for word from his script, and, and but he had it structured out of order. Yeah. So that you get introduced to things a lot differently. And uh, Tony does. Tony Scott decided that he would just do it as a, a straightforward narrative. From Keep beginning it regular. But uh, Tarantino never liked that, although he does, have, he does compliment how good the directing was in the movie. I'm surprised he only got 50 grand for this because he was coming off for Reservoir Dogs and he already had Travolta for Pulp Fiction. They optioned it for 50,000, but I believe he got paid more uh, when they started making it. He got a piece of it. When you get, well, when you option a movie, you get a small amount of money and then when they make it, you get more. Ah. So, yeah. Got some money in the bank. I'm not sure what he got paid though. We have to look that up. But anyways, yeah, Um, it's a great script. This, uh, movie it was interesting because ken who watched it with us one of our friends was saying that he had either he'd never seen it or something and he felt like it almost felt like a movie that was ripping off tarantino but it he'd wasn't never tarantino. seen it yeah yeah i got the sense he didn't see it before he said or that couldn't remember had, having seen it before he said because that's pretty rare that that someone like of of that age would yeah. have not seen this because this is like right in the prime yeah he said it felt like a tarantino uh someone f- like ripped off ripping, Pulp Fiction. ripping off Tarantino's dialogue and stuff because he uses a lot of the same dialogue in other movies, almost word for word. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like a lot of phrases and sentences from uh, Reservoir Dogs or 
Yeah, well, doesn't Alabama call him like Big Daddy or something like that? Like that sounds like straight out of Pulp Fiction. Big Doggy Daddy, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so we get uh, Christian Slater playing Clarence Worley, and um, he is a guy who works in a comic book store and needs to borrow money from time to time. And his boss takes, uh, I guess, pity on him and ends up hooking him up with a call girl uh, on his birthday, and they fall in love. And um, because he tries to get her out of her call girl lifestyle, they get run amok of a local pimp uh, and badass drug dealer named Drexel um, uh, unwittingly steals some drugs and then uh, get a nice plan together to go and sell the drugs who belong to a big drug lord. So chaos follows them um, and K hijinks ensue. Um, so <laughs> interesting the way that this movie starts is... Um, You'd read this probably on paper and say, oh, these characters meet each other and spend one night and then they're married the next day. But the way that the background that you're given on both these characters and the way that they're they're acting, um, the way they play off each other at the start, you can just tell uh, in the comic book scene very early on when he's flipping through the comics and he's like, ain't that cool, like this story, and she's like staring up at him. And I don't know, they just sell it so well. And, and you get the sense that he's like, just a down on his luck loser who doesn't get laid a lot. And she's a, a you know, fresh faced call girl who somehow got mixed up in what she did, but she says herself that she's a really good person. So I almost don't have a problem buying, um, how they're instantly into each other. No, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kismet or whatever they call it. It's like that spontaneous, like a love at first sight almost thing, right? Like it, it develops a little bit more than that, but it is basically like that type of thing. It's overnight. And like the way that they sell that in the billboard where she's like, I have to say like, I am like, I've only been doing this three times now or something like that. And I am 100% monogamous. And she's just like crying and so into him. And he's just like, you know, yeah, he just so takes it all in stride. Like they're both insane. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, no, they are both. We, yeah. What we were talking about was that they're kind of, they're kind of like, this is a harsh way of putting it, but they're kind of stupid people. They're not like very smart. They're no, like, kind they of, aren't. They're no, they're kind both, of, they're both from poor families. They're both, they're it, both, they're both kind of idiots. Yeah, they're both from the wrong side of the tracks. So like it's a kind of idiot love. educated people. And she 100% is Florida White Trash. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> she says she's not. Yeah. But when she says that, you're like, oh shit, that is what she is. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think the love is because they're stupid. I think the love is because they are, they're like um, synchronous Synchronous souls. stupidity. Yeah, being like, both stupid people. Well, they're so both stupid people. it's not because people, they're stupid. But they're it's like, not yeah. because they're I know, stupid. exactly. Yes. Yes. Because they're both stupid, they see in each other, each other maybe. And a the bit. lack of flaws that they, they totally blank out. Yeah. All the fucking red flags between them, totally ignored. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that they, uh, yeah, it's an, I mean, I still like their characters and maybe it's because of their naivety that makes me like them. Like just the fact that he thought he was going to go to that pimp's house and, and be a douche and like throw it in his face that he married one of his girls and then ask and for her stuff envelope, back. Yeah. But he knew he was going to kill him. He was talking about killing him with Elvis. No, I know. But, but even that him thinking, which is he, a weird thing to say. Yeah, it is a weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence loves him some Elvis. So yeah. So for people who either for, who forgot the movie or haven't seen it recently, uh, he taught, once again, Clarence's character talked to a fictitious well, Elvis insane. Presley. Yeah. Yeah. He sees Elvis and, and talks to him in washrooms only. Yeah. In washroom uh, mirrors and in mirrors that too. That we know of. Yeah. Every time he does, he's in a bathroom. I like you, Clarence. Always have. Always have. Always, Always will. will. Always will. He's yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it is interesting that he, he thinks that he could go convinced by Elvis to a pimp's 
place of work with a gun and go in and, and kill him and get her shit back. Yeah. And it doesn't work out exactly the way he planned because the only thing that I, I didn't like was he, they, and then the reason they didn't do this is because they, it would have been a lot of makeup, but like Drexel, the pimp, beats the shit out of him. Yeah. And he has one little cut under his eye. Yeah. It's just like, come on. Especially with how much work they put into Alabama later on when she has her scene with, uh, yeah. with Virgil be, played by I mean, James his whole face, he was double punching the sides of his temples. Oh, yeah. What no. a weird punch, by the way. That's crazy. Yeah. That would hurt so bad if someone Ooh. like punched you in the temples. Yeah. Yeah. With the force that he does as well. Like, oh, no, it's true. His face would have been hamburger. Yeah, 100%. No, more so because it looked like they got it right uh, as he was leaving. He's all bloody and, and he would have had like black eye like crazy. But yeah, he, he quickly gets over that. Um, Class I do like I do like um, <laughs> some movies when you're watching them, they try and put you in the place or uh, put an antagonist in place or a protagonist in place that you can follow in like the everyman or you could see yourself being in that situation. I don't feel that way with this movie. I feel like Clarence is someone that I'm watching from the outside looking in and it's just like an ongoing train wreck. Yeah. The whole movie, which which is a fun way to do uh, a movie like this. No one's. I don't think anyone's going to identify with with Clarence in Alabama. Um, if you are, then you're probably Florida white trash. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I kind of like that take on on this kind of movie where they're not trying to make Clarence the everyman. Um, they set him up as as a strange loner individual and and um, Alabama too. So that's just another reason why I don't have a problem buying into uh, to how it's all set up. He's like an idiot savant as far as being a criminal goes. Like he he, he stumbles successfully through all of these encounters. Not, but he does leave his uh, in one of the best lines. Your son fuckhead that he is <laughs> left his wallet in the dead guy's hand. That's awesome. Left his driver's his driver's license, license in the in dead a, guy's in hand. In the dead guy's hand. It would have been in. Um, what was the line? Say it Marty. again. As walking, this fuckhead <laughs> that he is. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, but before we get to that, um, how awesome is Gary Oldman in this movie? He's awesome. This is one of my favorite, favorite. Um, uh, characters from Gary Oldman and ever. And Scott didn't want him to be like that, hey? Oldman was um, pulled this character from someone that he met on a different shoot, I think. It was like a different right. set from somewhere. Yeah. And he saw this like white Jamaican guy like this, and he was like, that's what I want it to be. And once Scott saw him, I guess he was like sold. But um, he didn't want Oldman to be like that. He wanted him to be like, a, I think more of like a stereotypical kind of badass type of I also of had heard that, that uh, there was a phone call before he even read the script and about him being in the movie and he was like what's the role and you're like uh like a white pimp and he's who like, thinks he's black yeah and he's like i'll he's do like, it i'm in yeah. <laughs> right, right away he was like that yeah. sounds like a challenge yeah and then he apparently had his uh, wig maker from dracula do the dreadlocks for him and then he i think he had the same ghosted eye uh from dracula and then he said scars that on my face and the teeth. so badass he also fucking, uh, so hilarious yeah the, this movie uh as in uh, Tar tarantino fashion has the n-word in it a lot a yeah lot. Yeah. Like everyone says the N word. Yeah. I, I mean, like even Dennis Hopper says it about 10 times. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I've like never seen a movie with less black people with more N word. In yeah, it. At least he true. tones it down at the end by saying eggplant. That yeah. was a gift. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> we'll talk about that scene later, but I yeah. think that's the only improv, improv line. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all the stuff with, with Drexel is, um, is, is awesome. His whole, uh, I mean, Sam, Sam Jackson gets whacked right away, but that's that's kind of a nothing scene just to introduce how badass Drexel is that he's going to take care of business. I eat the but, um, the butt. I eat every motherfucking <laughs> thing. 
Everybody gets whacked. It was so funny because we were watching this with Ken, and Ken was like, Samuel Jackson's in it? And then Samuel Jackson's in it, and <laughs> he Ken. dies in the yeah. first scene. Ken's like, so he dies? And then Gary Oldman's in it, and, and then he and dies. And then Gary Oldman dies? Yeah. So like, and then Dennis Hopper dies? So they just fucking, they introduce great actors, great performances, die. Totally yeah. true. Die. And Hopper would have been a huge star at this point. Um, yeah. Gandolfini? Die. Yeah. Gandolfini wouldn't have been a huge Sizemore star yet. Sizemore and Penn. Gandolfini's so good in this. He's awesome. His yeah. scene is so good. He yeah. was so method, I guess, during the shooting of this. He lived in like a sleaze motel and didn't wash his underwear and shit. Like didn't shower. Like he was just trying to be a skeezy motherfucker. He was definitely that. Yeah. I, um, I don't get that off him though. I get him as more of a... I thought it was kind of weird too. It didn't seem like the character, but... No, I, I really like his character. He yeah. Yeah. He nails it. He does. I yeah. mean, like, I feel like this would have been the first time I ever saw him. Yeah. And I and I always remembered that character. Like I always remembered that character and then didn't recognize that it was him in when the, the Soprano started and then yeah, when stumbled, you go back and watch stumbled it, back like, and go, holy, holy shit, shit it's that's Tony. the feet, that's the Gandolfini. Tony Soprano. Yeah. Tony! Um, and that's jumping ahead a bit too still. Yeah, we're jumping all over. This just this movie's too good to not to not. But yeah, around. so the cast is just ridiculously insane. Yeah. There's like, even the smallest roles yeah. like have like actors you all recognize, like Brad Pitt, Michael Rappaport, Chris uh, Penn, Chris yeah. Penn uh, Tom S Sizemore, Sizemore, what's Balky's name? Pierce Brosnan, um, uh, Bronson Pinchot. Pincho. Yeah, yeah. Who I like, I, I like that guy in every movie. Like this, when he's I, in that Eddie Murphy stuff, another Forty Eight Hours, or not Forty Eight Hours. It's, uh, that's the other Beverly Hills Cop. Oh that's yeah, right. yeah, playing this. Yeah, kind I of just like role. him. I'm surprised he didn't do go further because Brent's right with that role and this role. He had some chops, and they're both very different characters. He got that TV money. No, I know, but like that couldn't yeah. have gone far. That Perfect Strangers money had to run out a long time ago. That was. I can't even remember when that was. It must have been like 30 years ago. It was 80s. Yeah. I think was 80s Paul Reiser sure. in that? Uh, Who was his counterpart in that? No, it wasn't Paul Reiser. Okay. Doesn't matter. Um, so um, after Clarence um, clips off Drexel in a crazy awesome scene, the dialogue where he's introducing himself and talking about, um, you just been staring, checking me the yeah. whole time. I know um, I'm pretty. Yeah. But now it's pretty. It's All that titties. stuff is... A, is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's all it's all really entertaining um, stuff to watch. So then he goes to see his dad, Dennis Hopper, um, and Dennis Hopper inappropriately kisses his wife. Um, she inappropriately kisses him. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. She goes back for it. And he tastes like a peach. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. does taste like a peach. Um, she does taste like a peach. So, I mean, that kind of establishes the, uh, the relationship that he had with his dad, and his dad lives in a fucking shithole by a train track. Which is that's weird, because later, Walken talks about his neighbors... Yeah. And I was like, what neighbors? neighbors? He lives in a train yard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your neighbors saw the car. Your he, neighbors, the other people who live in the train yard. His neighbors are standing around burning barrels. Yeah. Like, that's all. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Maybe it was funny. the homeless guys. It's um, gotta be. So Clarence goes off to, uh, to hang with his friend Dick Ritchie in LA. And in the meantime, as Clarence is on his way down south, uh, the uh, we get introduced to Blue Lou Boyle and uh, his henchman, Vince... Kakadia? Kakadi? Vince Kakadi. Christopher Walken in like one of the sickest, best written scenes in any movie in the last like 30 years. And Walken is perfect in it. And Hopper is perfect. In I, it. I, I'd watch this scene over and over again 
I would just watch it again and again. It's just everything is so perfect. It's got it's got tension. It's funny. Um, like you can see each character uh, taking part, get the upper hand in the conversation. Um, you can see Dennis Hopper's acting as he goes from like thinking he's going to talk his way out of it to accepting his fate. Um, the only problem with the scene is that it comes too early in the movie. For a scene that good. And yeah. it's so good that you, you almost should have removed it because it, everything after that isn't as good. But he has so many scenes like this in the movie, like the billboard scene, like this scene with, with uh, Gandolfini scene, the, yeah. the Gandolfini scene, the standoff scene. Like there's, there's so many of these landmark, I mean, Goliath scenes in any other movie and he has four or five of them in this. Yeah, movie. that's yeah, true. It is. I mean, but this one is by far the best. And this one oh, mo yeah. moves everything along too, because it introduces those, those mafia guys. Like what an amazing introduction. Although you don't get to see Chris Walken again. Um, but you get an idea of Blue Lou Boyle, which is a shame, man. No, I think it's I okay. think it's perfect because if you, you had given him, him more, what's he going to do? Yeah. Get killed in the shootout? Like, you're right. I mean, yeah. you're right. It's, and it's, also, see, this is a perfect example of one of those things where you get something and you're like, "That was so fucking good," and your brain's like, "I want more," and you don't give it to us. Yeah. So that will always be like that was fucking amazing. Yeah. You want more, but just don't give it to us. That that's perfect. Because any more of him, he would have been like, oh, coppers, wow, I'm going to shoot you behind the couch. <laughs> well, no. they have an L.A. branch, it seems. So they, they just uh, outsource all the rest of that shit to those guys. Like they definitely send, and all they the send some of, of those guys. Some of the guys are the same. From Gandolfini the is, is in there? the yeah, yeah, Gandolfini is at the trailer. Yeah, and Gandolfini is in the trailer. Yeah, he's behind. You get a very brief yeah, he glimpse cuts, of him. He cuts Dennis Hopper's hand. He's the one who cuts his hand and pours alcohol. Oh, that's and I right like too. I like how those mobsters are like very kind. Or after he gets punched in the nose, he, they give him a hanky, and then after yeah. they cut his hand, they give him a cloth. Like yeah. the guys like stand there waiting with it, and as soon as Dennis Hopper's hand comes back around the front, he's like, "Nah!" And he's like, "Here's a cloth for that too." I also like how they translate what they're saying in uh, must have been uh, Sicilian. Well, Italian. Italian, and uh, he says, uh, "What happened?" And he's like, "Oh, uh, he said that uh, Sicilians respond by." the n-word or whatever and yeah. he's like and then he shot him and the yeah. guy just nods he's oh, like, that, yeah, makes, yeah, yeah. that makes sense yeah. i don't like though that he sent that guy out to kill the dog i'm pretty sure that's what he sent him out it's like i don't know tell I, him to go outside and do the thing and then you he know goes what? out and he comes back i don't speak italian if actually maybe we should look for a translation or one of our fans if you happen to be italian why don't you get us a little translation when the guy walks back in the trailer he says something in italian that the job is done but I, there's no subtitles for can, it can you hold up your phone to the tv and it'll translate Let's, the language? we should try that we should yeah. try that but yeah my, that my guess is that it. they whacked the dog because what else would he have sent well them there's two to dogs because the dog chased the other that, dog yeah but that wasn't his dog did that he maybe another. whack that dog off they were maybe, both. maybe they brought that dog because they knew he had a dog. They're like, we'll bring our own Rottweiler. Wow. And then we'll, <laughs> his one, Rommel, is going to run away. Yeah. <laughs> Your golden retriever is spawned by Rottweilers. <laughs> That's a bad word. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm going to leave that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we wrap up and Clarence's dad unfortunately gets uh, toasted in the head and Chris, Walk Chris Walken fixes fucked up family for good. I haven't killed anyone. In nineteen eight since nineteen eighty five. Yeah. It's so good. I love um, too that he just they just find the address. Yeah, on the they find the address after all the that. Yeah. Okay, he'd be happy. Yeah. yeah. He uh, did give it to him. So once again I, I feel like all of that is See, like when he was established, he gave him that piece of paper and his father put it on the fridge and yep. they didn't see it till yep. later. So like once Seems again, innocuous, but it's, it's fine. It's not inconvenient. It's not con a big coincidence. No, no, no that's fine. all that's all yeah, oh, that's good. Dude, once again, that's good writing, though. I feel like the once again, this movie, this movie's ninety three. 
Yeah. And uh, the writing is uh, very good still for today. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. It, it works. It moves it along. So then we uh, get down to L.A. Um, so we can meet Dick Ritchie and his roommate Clyde, who's played by Brad Pitt. So Michael Rappaport and Brad Pitt. Um, very, very... Um, Brad Pitt's great in this movie uh, because I think... The only other, well, Brad Pitt had been in a few movies. The only one I thought of he was a note, nobody at this point. He pretty much was. He just had released the same year California came out, California with oh, a K, where yeah. he was with David Duchovny. Yeah, as a killer. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, as he was the crazy, yeah. the crazy person. He was in a few other things um, and definitely some TV shows. Thumb and Louise. Was yeah, a Thumb small and Louise. Role. I yeah. think that was his big break. But this, this, he blew up after this. I wouldn't say this movie caused him to be a star because it's such a minor role, although yeah. he's very effective in it. Um, I guess most of his lines were ad libbed and it was his idea to be a stoner on the couch. Um, but you it's can all see, fine. You can see the Brad Pitt in the limited areas that you get with that character. Yeah. Like he's, he's still very much who he is. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Floyd. Floyd. Yeah. But then Floyd. Michael Rappaport's the struggling actor who goes in and um, has to uh, audition for the TJ Hooker show. Um, Get him! Where the fuck did he come from? Get him off! Get him! <laughs> Get him! <laughs> she looked yeah, at. But he gets a part. I know he gets the part. He did like, good though. She smiled at him. I, I guess if they wanted like that kind of guy to play like the the weird. He sp- looks like the guy that's driving the car that's saying yeah. "Get him." He, All right. he, I thought he did a good job. You're you're auditioning for this. Where the fuck did he come from? I don't Dream. know. Who? He just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, we Get shoot him. him. Yeah. Get him. All right, I, I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's so good. It's such a small role. I feel like you would have gotten it. He, yeah, he did pretty good. Get him. But him and uh, him and Clarence are pretty tight. And um, so this is like a, another part that moves the story along. As you can see, Clarence is thinking that you know his buddy is an actor, so must know people who do coke. Uh, and would be interested in buying that much coke because you know he loves movies, he loves Elvis, he loves Hollywood. Uh, he'd ov- automatically assume, I think, that there'd just be guys interested in a big suitcase full of money. When he's a comic book guy, yeah, he's a comic book guy. Yeah, so that yeah, that actually that that brings it along too. And if you totally find sounds like, like a comic book storyline, if, if you like just happen to stumble across a big gigantic bag of uncut cocaine, where are you going to go? You're going to go to L.A. Yeah, that's probably. I mean, true. if you want to get or rid Miami. of it, Miami yeah. would be good too. Miami might have been yeah. closer for them because uh, they were in yeah, Detroit. Detroit. Oh, Detroit, yeah. I guess uh, that's probably all things equal. It's probably split. But he knew people in LA, so so that's all good. Oh, um, yeah. And like I also like how the movie changes tonally when they get to LA. Um, like, And they play that song by Aerosmith, Take Me to the Other Side. And oh, yeah. They have the convert- he drives the convertible, so now the top's down. And, and they stay in that stupid Safari Inn or whatever. And, yeah. Uh, oh. Safari Motel, Safari, Safari Motel, <laughs> Safari Motel. You get, you're gonna go, you're gonna go left, and then you're gonna keep going, and then, and then, and then you're gonna keep go, go, keep going. And you go. That was yeah. to the Beverly Hills. Oh, that, uh, that was to the Beverly uh, Ambassador. Still. Yeah, I love when the when those um, the henchmen break in, and he's like, ah, he's smoking weed out of the uh, out of the honey, the, the honey bear, the honey bear. But he, he like he sits right up proper and he just waits and as they ask him questions he just gives his yes or no answers until asked something specific. Are you Dick Ritchie? No. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know where they are? Yes. Yeah, he's very. <laughs> he's like, where are they? The Beverly Ambassador Hotel. Yeah, he's a great character. With he that. tries to be precise and he's yeah. always very hospitable. Like when yeah. James Gandolfini comes, he's like, "Do you uh, want to?" Watch, watch some, some TV. TV. <laughs> they might be back. He does. And then with kinda. these guys, he offers yeah. them a bong. Yeah. Bit. And, then and, then like, and he's like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, Get some beer and some cleaning products. <laughs> yeah. His preciseness when I do like, because what John says is so true. Like his performance is very, 
he sits up very straight and then pauses and waits for them to ask questions. And then he kind of, he puts his finger out and yeah. he's just like, no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, people listening couldn't see me doing that. Yeah, and he's like, Beverly, yeah. yeah, he and he like wants to, because he, he knows being <laughs> as high as he is that he's in danger. Yeah. And he automatically goes into like, I got to be perfect here yeah. mode to yeah. like get out of this. Complete focus. And then he does offer them a little taste and then they've, they double rack the shotgun or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you got to keep going. On. You just keep going. You keep going. I'm always so scared for him. Yeah, I know. I we we don't know what happens to it's him because they they cut away when he's telling them about where to go. They could have they could have killed him. They probably did. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably did. dead. Um, and then we also get uh, uh, Balky. Um, what's his name in the movie? Um, oh, fuck. not Lee. Lee Donowitz is the producer. Lee Donowitz, um, who's also a great actor. Yeah. When he's yelling at uh, Bilky, is and his eyes like half open, he's like full of rage. Yeah, yeah. you'll never fucking act in this town again. You <laughs> might as well go home and burn your sad card. <laughs> so fucking pissed. You stab me in the heart, you cocksucker. I treated you like a son. Meanwhile, yeah. when he calls him on the weekend, he's like, "What the fucking Saturday?" Yeah. So <laughs> Lee, I love Lee's character, Lee Donowitz, because he um, he totally sells it driving his. He's Porsche a director, around. but someone even someone even when we were watching came out and said, "Is he supposed to be?" Uh, uh, what's his face? The producer oh. from from Miramax. Joel Silver is who he is supposed to be. He from is what I've Joel. Yeah, you're right. It's Joel Silver, which is the guy I actually saw screaming at people on yeah. the set of the movie that I worked on. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, you're totally right. It is yeah. based on Joel Silver. I forgot that, but he Joel Silver is a archetype of uh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, uh. there's there's they're a very similar Hollywood cliche type person. Question though, why did Bilky not just keep the coke in his pocket? Yeah, he was he was high and he was freaking out. That's why. And they gave him. He asked for. So they go on the roller coaster. They give him the whole shitty side story, and he lies, saying that his boss wants a sample bag because Balky wants the sample bag. Yeah. We got to remember his fucking character's name. Um. Anyway, um. Uh, they gave him like a huge fucking Ziploc bag. That was a and it's uncut. Elliot, that's what it is. Elliot, yeah. Elliot, it is a big it. bag. It, like it's a sample a huge, bag is like, usually a sandwich bag. A sa- <laughs> yeah, a sample bag is usually a very small Like a small dime bag. Like ha- do a line and be like, "Oh, this is uncut." Yeah. Well, Clarence even says he's like, "I don't fucking know what I'm doing." Um No, it's true. But I love where that story goes off where he he borrows Lee's Porsche and it like gets a hooker and is driving fast and getting a blowjob in the car and then gets pulled over by the cops and is such a uh, insecure guy or whatever that he's easily pushed by those cops i mean he did have a huge bag of uncut coke so the cops would be interested and push him hard but he folds immediately to wearing a wire and then we get tom sizemore and uh, and chris penn being like i love when they tell their story to the cop to the to the chief or yeah, to yeah. their their sergeant or whoever it would be and this, this guy, guy is stupid scared. he is stupid <laughs> he's stupid and he's got a big bag of uncut cocaine yeah you know what he's gonna do he's gonna wear a wire he'll wear a wire he'll wear a wire oh yeah yeah those guys are even better when they're actually um, on, the job. In yeah. on the job yeah. and they're like he's like a fucking what's his name is uh tom, tom sizemore is like he's like i fucking love this guy he's crazy yeah he's like <laughs> getting such a kick out of it yeah so and it's good it, it like you can see all the pieces coming together as it comes to the end um did you guys see tom sizemore get shot because i never see him get shot he gets shot immediately as soon as the gunfight starts because uh. he shoots elliot um, oh right which yeah, also which, was weird no, Just sorry he shoots, he, he shoots lee he shoots lee Cause I think because he likes Elliot. He's I don't like, know. fucking leave him alone. And then and everybody opens him, yeah. up and he ends up like... That seems like an overreaction. Oh, it totally is. Especially it in totally the scene, is. you've got everyone pointing guns. Yeah. He throws coffee on Elliot. Yeah. 
you got to leave that alone. You don't shoot maybe a, a guy. Maybe a gangster would do something, but a cop, yeah. And it's also interesting because as soon as they're walking into the room, he's like, oh, fuck, I forgot my vest. But everything's like going. Mm. Um, and another interesting part is that um, Chris Penn's character is wearing a vest, but um, he ends up getting shot in the side. By Alabama. Yeah, he takes off his uh, police jacket actually to emphasize that, and he has a nice white shirt to show. So, the blood so I don't know how many movies this was done in before that that Tarantino like not stole from or whatever. I'm sure. I'm sure it's all the Mexican standoff thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because after this, everybody whipped this off. So there's a bunch of movies like Domino, and there is that one Enemy of the State. Yeah. Where they they do the exact same thing in the end of Enemy State or the end of Domino, where they have a Mexican standoff with the mafia, the police, private security guards. So like this got whipped off so much after this movie came out, it almost became a cliche. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I kind of felt like that the gunfight between them and stuff was badly directed. I don't know if you guys felt that way it this was time. All, it was hard to know what was going on, but I don't know that you needed to as long as people were going down and. I just felt I felt like once it slowed down and and they were like I was behind the couch and that Chris Penn's uh, impression of an Italian accent. Yeah, come I like out of all that. The couch. Yeah, <laughs> and then the guy's like, "Oh yeah, okay, I understand, I understand." What's what's a little out of place in that scene is how much the security guards hate cops. They are a little overboard. A little bit overboard. I feel like that was to push. It 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 a is. Bad I excuse, see why. Yeah, but it's a uh, it's not good writing. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, I fucking hate cops all yeah. of a sudden. Like it could have been the cops break in and they're like, they're startled and then they start to put down their guns, but then the Italian mafia break in and then they're like, oh fuck. Because yeah. they, they were actually probably, even though they were kind of in the middle, both of those guys got behind the bar and then you had the cops facing the mafia directly and then these two guys off to the side. I think those two guys actually got quite a few, yeah, I mean, quite the, a few kills. The whole movie builds up to, uh, yeah, a Mexican standoff between the two guys that are private security, yep. the police... The mafia and also uh, he has a gun or he gets shot right away in the eye. Yeah. I also don't know how he doesn't know what's going on because he's he in the bathroom the talking to Elvis and the gun fired already started. And so he just walks out of the bathroom like normal. No, yeah. no, he notices. No, he walks only out when of the he bathroom. opens the door, he walks out with his gun out. But when he's in the bathroom and shit's going off, he's but like, I didn't think shit was going off while he was. Like, he he's was just at the end. He's talking. I just watched it this morning. He's watching. He's talking to Elvis and they are all having the standoff. When they start shooting, he does notice. Oh, maybe. And he comes maybe out it's of the, the yelling he doesn't hear then. The yelling he doesn't is, hear. Okay. The yelling he doesn't hear. But the gunshots do set him off. Mm. Oh, I don't remember that. But mm. anyway, so There's then he gets... I could be wrong. He takes a hit in the head. Yeah. Thanks, John. Right but like the, the bullet grazes his eye. No, somehow... It but then he still eye. loses his sight. Yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure how it happened. Yeah. Because it did look like damage over here. And then also eye stuff, I guess. Maybe it went in... And stopped in his eye. I don't his know. kid must be five, and he still has a patch on his eye, yeah, so, so he's permanently blind. Yeah, his, yeah, yeah, in that eye anyway. But but so we forgot to we skipped over a couple things. We definitely skipped over the James Gandolfini scene. Yeah. So I oh, love man. the way that starts because she walks in and she sees this big motherfucking mafia guy sitting in their hotel with a shotgun in his lap, and she doesn't run or try and run away. She like immediately tries comes, to talk her way out of it. She tries yeah. to talk her way out of it, and I love that scene because mm -hmm. there's so much tension when she's like oh my husband's a football player he's just at practice right now yeah and uh he's like smiling at her and she's smiling at him and then i love when she's wearing sunglasses and so her mouth is smiling 
Yeah. But I love how when he lifts up her, he's like, let me take a look at those eyes. And he, he lifts up her sunglasses. You can see the fear in her eyes. Yeah. She still has a smile on her face, but you could see in her eyes something's wrong. I fucking yeah. love that. Yeah. I, great I directing. I great can't acting. remember a movie where a girl gets that beat up by a big dude. Like oh, that no. graphically and, and it's yeah. intense. I like, think this is the only time I've ever seen that. Yeah. It's, a a man crazy. beating a woman to, to like the inch of her life, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she gets absolutely thrashed, which is kind of crazy because she comes back pretty quick. Yeah, that's true. That seems a little less realistic considering the level of beat that Adrenaline, she Adrenaline, though. Maybe, yeah, because I mean, but then the adrenaline when it's all later over. is what I mean. Like, not during that scene. I can get over that scene, like her getting some last minute adrenaline, trying to save her life, all that stuff. But afterwards, like uh, when Clarence is fixing her up by the airport and stuff like that, like she pretty quickly yeah. is recouped. He's got to carry her out. She like drags her he out drags by her, her but one then, arm. Like that day or the next day, she's in a hotel room yeah. doing a Coke deal That's and true. she's just a little beat up looking. Like she'd be fucked up. Oh, both her and him heal way too quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying. She's yeah. hiding She's hiding scars under sunglasses that she wouldn't be able to hide with sunglasses. No. She'd have and makeup. No, her, once bad. again, her face would be like the cheeks and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they did a they yeah. they do a bad job of of showing aftermaths of both yeah. their beatings. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, but fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah but yeah, <laughs> but it's still amazing to me every time how much he gets. She gets the crap kicked out of her, and then I like seeing her turning around. And sunglasses are magical um, in this movie. When they put on sunglasses, it covers like up so many. Yeah. No, it just covers up all her wounds. Oh yeah, like yeah. no matter where they are, they do wear big sunglasses. Um, one of the my favorite scenes in this movie though is after she. After she unloads the shotgun in James Gandolfini's face and, and chest and then starts to beat him with it and then she puts it up in the air and just starts screaming. Yeah. That gives me chills every time because she's just like crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, she's it's just crazy good. Like she kills this role. Um that scene and Christian does Slater does too. Both those Arquette and Slater are just awesome in this. And movie. Christian Slater's love of Elvis when he's like oh, talking yeah. to the customer at the hamburger joint, and then the customer is kind of annoyed at first because he then just, he's engaged. He like but <laughs> so then he convinces like, the guy to yeah, get into it. Yeah. I like that scene. Yeah. It's nice little scene. Lots of hamburger eating in this movie. He's good with people. <laughs> See, like they it's establish true. he loves eating hamburgers. Yeah. He always wants chicken. I also feel like they we whitewash over this a lot but they uh, established that his father is an alcoholic yeah and that he's an alcoholic as well because uh, the very first thing he says when they get to his dad's at eight in the morning is he wants beer hmm. and so he sends alabama to go get booze and then he and his father and chicken and yeah. he and then his father he's like well if, if you want beer it'll be here because i'm gonna buy some yeah but uh, i don't know i didn't get the sense he was an alcoholic he was well, trying to drink beer at fucking eight I know, in the morning but, but that doesn't um, necessarily mean alcoholic i He's think just it does i don't think situation. people who don't need alcohol drink it at eight you're missing the weirdest thing he sends alabama out for beer and chicken at eight in the morning she comes back with beer and says i didn't get you chicken and he goes <laughs> why not and she goes too it's early it's too early for chicken <laughs> like what I know, yeah. but the point is, as I, I get an interesting, I feel like that's a, a little bit of a good characterization that him and his father both have problems with alcohol. Mm -hmm. and yeah. His father, he says, he says, can you drink beer? He says, I can, I don't. Yeah, well, and he says all that time when you were stinking drunk, like yeah. I didn't fucking point the finger at you. Yeah, true. Yeah. No, so, he's, he's a, a so what recovery. I'm saying is I feel like like Christian Slater is her, like a, it's it's been passed on to him that uh, disease, but he's a young man and uh, it hasn't caused him the trouble it probably caused his father yet, but yeah. I, I kind of like that that little bit is in there. Yeah. No, right? that's fine. They well, don't you can see why they don't talk for years and stuff like that. Like it yeah. kind of gives a relationship a little bit of ground. Well, he too. screams at him and says like when, when everybody like left you and stuff, I didn't, 
I didn't come after you and like I didn't point the finger and I, you know, and like now I just need a favor from you. It's good dialogue and a great performance between mm. him and his father. Once again, a lot of these characters come in and out of the movie so quickly, like yeah, they establish what they have to and then and then they die. They yeah. they just no, that's so it. many people die. Yeah. Uh it's it's uh it's very interesting. And then like the roller coaster stuff is fun. Yeah. And uh, apparently uh I didn't see this, I'll have to watch it um at a later time for it, but Michael Rappaport has like huge motion sickness. So the roller coaster scene on the first day they did the shooting, he's like terrified and sick, and on the second day they gave him some drugs. So in some of the scenes you can see him in the background and he's just like, uh. <laughs> so apparently in the background you can see that shit going on. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's just got Tarantino dialogue all over the place, which is always interesting. Good storytelling. Um, and every character is just so into the role they're playing. I don't think there's a bad actor in this movie. Do you feel like though you guys care about their characters enough to, to, to carry the movie? Yeah, I do. You I do care again, about them and their love. I, it's just because I'm watching them from the outside and I don't identify it. I'm just like they're a bunch of silly, insane, stupid people, basically, uh, who found each other and, and all the better for them for finding love. And I think, the, except for Christian Slater's um, Elvis persona telling him to go kill Drexel. Um, for the most part, it's like that was a kind of a noble thing to do, and she even found it romantic that he did that, which is really which, fucking but weird. He's, but Once he's not again, doing it because he's noble. He is crazy. Like yeah. Tony Scott wanted him to watch Taxi Driver to base the character off. Yeah. of. like he's meant to be like a high functioning, unstable. unstable kind of. He wears a military craziness. jacket just like the guy in Taxi Driver. Yeah, as yeah. Well. And he, I mean, he works in a comic book store and has to borrow money from time to time, so he's not. He doesn't have it together for sure. So. Um, yeah, but I want, I also wish them happiness. They found each other. They're not like actively going out searching for shit. They're not thieves. I like do, they, but they I happen upon the coat, but then they want to capitalize on it. So they're not innocent and in all this, but, no, but I wonder if I want them to succeed because of that, because I empathize with that. Like they found each other, they found this great love and they're like going to be happy and, and like this tight ass thick as thieves relationship and move forward in life. Like that's what I think everybody wants for themselves. And I think that's what you cling to more than anything is like that hope for them to succeed in their love. Cause individually, I mean, they're both like, um, nice characters like people that you would you would kind of like i don't know they're kind of, i fucking don't know how to explain it you want to pet them on the head because they're yeah. so simple and you just yeah. like like you know yeah like but together i think yeah you kind of hope for them to make it through so i kind of like this would be one of the rare movies where they have the the ending where it shows them on the beach and i mean patricia arcade has a lot of dialogue there a voiceover that is some of it's okay but i don't know if i necessarily would have had all that but when I see them together and they have their kid and I'm wondering how they would live the rest of their lives off the 200,000. But, um, but that, that's a, well, nice, they're in Mexico, that's a nice so I, I guess like they could so stretch it a bit. Plus oh, they probably Mexico? also get and small Clarence jobs. As before, he's like, we're both trash. So 200 grand to us is a ton. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I also feel like he kind of plays off the audience's idea that these two guys had never really focused on careers or how they were going to live. Right. And uh, so for them, it's like a, getting one, this one big score and then they're trying to live off it for the rest of their lives. Yeah, but they didn't go seeking for that score. Like it was a big mistake it and fell they, just, into they their decided lap to make the and, best of it. And they are selling the drugs to a guy who is uh, 
questionable. No. Yeah. yeah. And so it's not like they're selling it to kids at playgrounds and stuff, although that, it could end, they're trying to sell it to one guy yeah. so he could just do coke for the rest of his life for yeah, free. Yeah, that guy's going to do coke anyway, so they're just yeah. facilitating a transaction. They're to giving get them him some like money. lifetime of coke for yeah. like a good price and he's not going to sell it to like women children or anything yeah but like he's that. not yeah. a bad guy no that's what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. The, a, it's the mafia who puts the pressure on that situation he's yeah. not a he's a i mean he's an egocentric crazy hollywood producer type fuck well, he's an asshole but yeah. he's not a bad no person. he's not a bad person yeah no but it's funny if if only the mafia were onto them they would have been killed if only the cops got onto them they would have been arrested but the fact that they were both put onto them got them away scot-free yeah. Yeah, Scott really, Free, Scott Free, that's yeah. funny. That's really Tony Scott's company. production company, yeah. Is it? Scott Free, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. clever, Jonathan. Ah. Very rip, clever. Rip Tony Scott. Yeah, rip Tony Scott. So you guys feel like the, that the, the main characters carry you through? I do. I, li- I like them enough, yeah. They, yeah. Okay. I just, I from a, a, it's like watching a, a ticking time bomb the whole time, and I'm just like, what are they going to do next? And yeah, I had a, I had a little, good. I questioned that a little bit watching it this time, but I... Fair enough. I could okay. I could believe that that there's an argument to be made against that. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying that I feel that way. I just I was wondering, is there enough? Was there enough there to for me to be like really rooting for them? But and, I, I think at the end of the day, there is. Maybe if the other characters hadn't been as strong as they were, um, and we had to spend more time with Clarence in Alabama, that would have started to slip and show holes. But I, but I also feel like I mean, as good as those two are in, in their performances, and they're all they are very good. Like it's kind of you guys seen that movie, The Fighter, with uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Christian yeah. Bale and uh, what's it? What's his name? Uh, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. So Mark Wahlberg's. Someone was saying uh, that Mark Wahlberg had the harder role, uh, and and I was I was reading an article. And I was like, well, how did he have the harder role? And it was because uh, Christian Slater or Christian Bale's character gets to be so crazy right. that Mark Wahlberg can't has to really anchor the movie and 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 not not be able to. He's not as free as Christian Bale, who gets to do whatever he wants and be crazy and and have that real big personality. Right. So like, I feel like everyone in this movie is so big, from Samuel Jackson to Drexel. Yeah. That Alabama and Christian Slater almost are the the least interesting characters. Mm-hmm. That's true. But and, yeah. but you um almost need that for you to follow. To uh, yeah, you can't, you can't have just, them be as crazy as everyone else. They yeah. have to be almost the most sane. They're simple and they have to be transparent, and they are through yeah. what they're trying to do. They they love each other, and that's all they want. And I then, just feel like that's an interesting kind of way to think about the main character. Is uh, you you almost need that 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 person who's a little bit more um, grounded. Uh, grounded yeah. yeah. So that and their dream is very simple. They just want to try and get enough money that they can get away and and they can have a nice life. Yeah. So uh, you. You have to have something to carry you through that. Yeah. So I think I would say, what do you so are we going to call it? Yeah. No, I I love this movie. I, I think this is one of the best love stories ever told because of its simplicity of the two characters are in love, and then the fact that it's got Tarantino dialogue and a shitload of really good scenes and and good action. Um, I watch this movie like once every year or two, and every time I just enjoy the hell out of it. And the cast, like, it's it's a pleasure to watch everybody pretty much at their at their uh, height or coming into the game and you know where they are now in life and just to see them all doing their thing it's uh it's a pleasure to watch i love true romance one of my favorite movies yeah i i agree um hold up i mean i i felt like there are some things i felt like a little bit weaker this time but not 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 anything that got in my way no um just a a couple things that i was like that doesn't kind of make sense or that's kind of silly here or there but 
but uh but but definitely didn't overshadow the story or, no. or my enjoyment of it i mean it's it's a very violent movie too oh, yeah so it's uh it's interesting that alabama scene alone is like crazy yeah which i always watch. said that this was one of, my, one of my favorite love stories too just because it's such an unconventional kind of uh storytelling yeah mm-hmm. and uh it's uh so far away from what you consider to be a chick flick or a romantic movie yeah but it's called true romance which also is a nice fun play on on what it really is which it is violent and it, i mean the language and the themes and the content mm-hmm. and it's very dark so uh and then the, the music that they decided to put in it by Hans Zimmer, that dun 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 like, like playful, the, yeah. simpleton child music. But yeah. the movie's so dark. So it's uh, It's simpleton. the kind of music it's you'd like hear like in the Caribbean or in a beachy place and like I, where they end up. I'm thinking of all yeah. of the movies yeah. that Tony Scott made and uh, including like movies like Top Gun and such. And yeah. I would say that... This is his best. By far, this is his best. Yeah. You think this is better than Last Boy Scout? Uh, <laughs> yes, I think yeah. this is better than like literally everything that he ed- he ever made. No, 100%. I feel like, and it's mostly because the screenplay was so good. And, and I don't think this would be his commercial biggest. Like Top Gun would. Have oh to God, be. no! This would be probably Days one of Thunder. his. Yeah, Days of Thunder probably be bigger than this too. This would be way worse than box office wise than anything yeah. he made. But maybe but is like yeah. his most memorable movie. Yeah, for me, time. absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I don't like a lot of his other stuff now at all. No didn't hold no, up so what about you brent i love this movie too i um yeah i think it's it's really interesting to me because it's basically fate right it feels like everything happens because it was meant to mm. like because they do not because they're proficient at being bad guys or, or killing pimps or stealing coke and selling coke to whatever like everything they do they accidentally succeed and it's always them two that make it except for michael rapaport mm-hmm. the only other guy that lives i think um, and it's just great the whole way through. I also enjoy, like, like you guys said, like I read that Tarantino wrote this script and everybody loved it so much that they just wanted to do it like verbatim. Yeah. So yeah, like, I mean, the writing is good. The, the way that the movie came out, Tony Scott made it really good. I love this movie. I don't really have any more to add. Nice. Holds up. I would say watch it any way that you can just watch it it's a good movie yeah because tarantino didn't direct it a lot of people don't know or forget that he wrote it and you can just see where he came from it's great it's good yeah watch it's it. all it's, it was definitely the beginnings of yeah it was uh, this was the very first success he had yeah all right true romance part uh, eggplant yeah let's do it you're a cantaloupe you're watch the movie cantaloupe all right folks enjoy your shit bye-bye Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.